Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Executive Director of Worship Resources and Director of Music Ministries. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Lisa Hancock, Director of Worship Arts. During this time of transition from virtual to online and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Kevin Macbeth. Kevin is the Director of Music at Manchester United Methodist Church in suburban St. Louis. He serves as full-time administrator for the music ministry, which includes 18 choral and handbell ensembles involving nearly 500 children, youth, and adults. Kevin has also served as an adjunct professor in choral music at Webster University. Over the past 20 years, he has conducted honor, festival, and touring choirs, both choral and handbell, in the United States and Canada. Previous appointments include assistant conductor of the St. Louis Symphony Chorus and music director of the St. Louis Metro Singers. His 30-year career in church music has included appointments in churches in Houston, Texas, and Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Macbeth is a graduate of Houston Baptist University and has done graduate studies in choral conducting at the University of Houston. In addition to being a published composer and author, he was also choral music editor for Abingdon Press. I could go on and on because he has many more accolades to his name, but we're going to stop with that for now. (laughs) And I want to say welcome, Kevin. We're delighted to have you as our guest today. And we like to ask our guests to tell us a little bit about what's going on in their lives. What What are you doing now? How have you been? I think remarkably well. Our lead pastor at the church will oftentimes uh, in meetings say, you know, this really is going far better than it should be. And so I, <laughs> so I really kind of feel, I, I sort of feel that same way in, in many, in many regards, things are, are starting to come back. And I think as, as um, most of you know, and as most I've heard from most of our colleagues, uh, every, everybody's busy again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that we've returned to, you know, to pre-COVID activity, but things are certainly busy. And after being, you know, at, at, at rest at such a, you know, sort of a standstill and now having to sprint again, uh, I think we're all sort of learning how to do that. But as I, I feel the same way, I think things are going far better than they probably should. But having having a great time, we're seeing people return to worship, which is a wonderful thing. Yes. There's still far too many people viewing worship online. I wish that that we could coax them out of their homes, but uh, but you know we've created that monster, and so now we have to now we have to live with it. But but things are things are going really well. Great, thank you, Kevin. Kevin, I I wonder in in your setting, you help lead worship and music and administrate worship and music in traditional and maybe what we call modern worship settings. You have a modern worship service, and sometimes we can think of those as 
liturgical versus not liturgical, right? But the liturgy is really a structure for how we gather. So any gathering tends to have structure or it's just chaos. Um, And so I wonder if you could help reflect for us how you approach creating a liturgy or a structure in one or both settings, especially in the modern worship, how how you and your team are thinking about structuring modern worship, even as that seeks to be something very distinct from the traditional worshiping community. Sure, sure. At Manchester, we actually have three different, really three different styles of worship. Uh, Our Saturday, we have a Saturday afternoon service that's in our Mm. historic chapel and is a a smaller, you know, more intimate setting with music that is a little bit lighter, you know, some, some folk and some bluegrass and a little bit of, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, and then our modern worship service, which is currently happening in our fellowship hall on Sunday morning, it's a, a great setting for that service. And then our traditional worship service, which happens in our sanctuary, the connecting component is that our lead pastor preaches for all of those services. So, so we have one preacher who is, is guiding the, the direction of all those services. And I'd like to say that our worship service is sort of thematic liturgical. So we, we tend to do a lot of uh, worship themes as they go, but then there are periods of the year where, where there isn't a theme and we, we strict, strictly go by the liturgical readings for the you know for the week so uh, there's a good bit of that but with having the our lead pastor as the common denominator you are correct in that each of those services do have their own structure and don't vary a whole lot. The uh, informal worship on Saturday is uh, d- you know doesn't have you know quite quite the full components and doesn't have a choir, uh, but has music ensembles that participate. But still, you know, hymn singing and prayers and all of those things that are a part of it. Modern worship is led by our modern worship band, which is a- an acoustic group one week and a full band, you know, the following. So even within the context of that service, the participants change, but the components of those are pretty standard from one week to the next. That's fantastic. And I, I mean, one, that is such a a wide and varied, wide and varied opportunities for Mm -hmm. the people of Manchester to come together and to worship in all of these different ways. And I wonder how the church and how you in your particular role understand each of those worship settings as a response to your context in Manchester is what what kind of bubbled up that made you go, we need this Saturday casual service and we need this modern service and not just a modern service, but a modern service in the fellowship hall in that kind of space versus in the sanctuary where the traditional worship happens. How, how have you been thinking about context in and space in relationship to those different worship offerings. Sure. It is interesting. I had a conversation with a member of our congregation, a fairly new member of our congregation just yesterday about this whole idea of where worship happens and and the importance of the need for all of these services. So this is kind of a fresh conversation. <laughs> Uh, and and because you know within within our own history there have been some recent things that have happened so I'll try to keep this <laughs> pretty concise and in uh, in its package but one of the things I, I mentioned to her yesterday is you know it's one of those situations where our strength is also our weakness because of the fact that we have so many options it's a wonderful thing for our church but it has also you know on many occasions caused us a great deal of you know head scratching because you know every service is its own offering and 
and people, um, uh, by and large, are are pretty much dedicated to their services. I think we all find that that uh, one of the first criteria for worship worshipers is they want their worship time. I want to have worship at this time that's most convenient for mm-hmm. me and my family and my weekend, and and especially you know now that that Saturday really is isn't very much a Sabbath day for a lot of people. I, I know a lot of people who work on Saturday, so uh, having this Saturday service and it's at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. So it's kind of at an odd time, but it seems mm-hmm. to work uh, for those, you know, 40 to 60 people who come to that, to come to that worship service. And sometimes it's, you know, smaller than that, you know, that the size of that service is anywhere usually from 25 to 70, you know, just to, mm-hmm. depends on what's going on each week. But, you know, the, the people who attend that service by and large only attend that service. And, and that's a time that works for them. You know, they're busy on Sunday or they have family commitments on Sunday. So our modern worship service is uh, is kind of an interesting conversation right now because we just recently moved that service to our fellowship hall. It had been for many years in our sanctuary, but Manchester is a strange place in that in my 28-year history of the church, we have had modern or slash contemporary worship in virtually every possible time, mm-hmm. every possible format, every possible, and and as you know, history just repeats itself. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, we now we're back in Fellowship Hall with the Sunday morning service, and and it's working fine. But you know, some people in that service are wondering why aren't we in the sanctuary? We have this beautiful space. But our our modern worship director Kirsten Rose uh, is our modern worship director, and she's been with us, I I believe, almost 10 years now. And she is as great as they come in designing the worship and making sure that the worship is thoughtful and and appropriate. She is a singer-songwriter, so uh, she's part of a collective, and they write music for our worship services and write liturgy for our worship services and take care of the visuals. And so she's very much plugged into all aspects of this service. And uh, we're really trying to create something that, you know, that works for that, that that modern worshiping congregation that meets on Sunday morning. So it's specific for that space, just like at 11 o'clock. It's important for our chancel choir and the brass ensemble and the organ and all those things to, to be in the right space for traditional worship. So right. so the space is very much a part of, of what happens in the, in the worship experience. Right. Mm-hmm. I love the, the term modern worship. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit about the change from contemporary worship and also praise and worship to modern worship. Right, right. And, and you know, Diana, we've been in these conversations as long as you and I have known each other. So <laughs> you know how, how these, these these terms just continue to, to come back to haunt us. I was going to say evolve. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that's such a great word. That's a, that's a, evolve is a, is a, is a much, much more palatable word. But, <laughs> but I, I'm also really very careful in, you know, what you label one worship service. In essence, what are you saying about the other? service. So in calling this service our modern worship service, what does that say about our, our traditional service? You know, is it not up to date? Is it not modern? Is it so 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 it those terms for worship have have always been uh, and will, I think will continue to be a struggle for us. You know, even when we said contemporary, it's when it was contemporary and then traditional, then what is it about the traditional service that's not contemporary? And so it gets to be really kind of a slippery slope when you start using those terms. But 
but uh, our modern worship in in its aspect really is more toward casual i think uh, than anything so for instance uh, to, uh, to one of the one of the biggest things and I, I don't think this is unusual but we we still have a, a, a printed paper bulletin for our traditional worship service whereas for our modern service uh, everything is on screen there you know they they have they don't have a, a printed order of worship the worship service does change from week to week but not from moment to moment it's one of those things that you know we, we do have a footprint and so we have a template for that service and it's pretty much pretty much goes according to that template for that Sunday morning but the next week things might move around some so uh, so there are some distinct differences in those two services but but we really try to be careful at in, in, in what we call those well I like that on your website you you unpack it a bit mm-hmm. and it says this is our modern service and this is what you can expect to find there you know and I think sometimes as churches miss the mark on that to to really explain this is what you're going to because people shop now by going right. to websites and looking at the church before they they attempt to visit somewhere Right, right. And I, I appreciate you saying that because that is an area that we are constantly trying to monitor because we know that years ago when, you know, when I was a young music director, you know, people shopped in persons, you know, so they came to a worship service to, to see what it was like, or they, you know, uh, attended a, um, an event to see what it was like. And now, you know, they make those decisions before they leave home. They, yeah. they you know, they look for all that stuff online before they make a decision of whether or not even to, to walk into your building. I know that this isn't a part of our conversation, but it it sort of goes again with this kind of church shopping. Uh, we have been debating about um, Manchester has become a very much affirming and open church, and it's it's something that we we pride ourselves in, and and we want to we want to be a place where everybody feels comfortable. And we have had multiple conversations about you know the presence of a rainbow flag, you know, on our on our website, and some of our our, you know, some of our, our veteran members of our congregation can't understand, you know, well, why, why is a rainbow important, you know, if people are coming into the building? And, and it, it, it goes back to this whole idea of, you know, people make their decisions about whether they're going to attend just by what they see on the website. Right. And and if if they haven't made that decision on the website, then you know we we may never see them. So it's very different than you know than in the days where people would just just show up on a Sunday. That's so, right. Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, let's come back to the monster we've created. You know, they can watch a whole service before they even come because they see the online version of that. Right. So, yeah. so we do have that available to folks. So how accessible are we to that? Right, I, right. I, I want to back up a little bit, Kevin, and, and ask a little bit about the context that you're working in. What What's the makeup of your church? Uh, who all is there? Does it represent the community around you? Is it a drive-in kind of thing? All those sorts of things. Tell us a little bit about the church where you're serving now. Sure. I think, you know, some of this I, I have in my in my brain, but, you know, it's ever evolving as well. So mm-hmm. Manchester is, is in what they used to call suburban St. Louis. But of course, St. Louis has grown so big now, you know, the uh, the suburbs have bypassed us and have gone, you know, even further out. So but we're for those people who might know or want to know the area, we're about 20 miles west of the arch. So we're, you know, we're definitely a suburban, a suburban church. 
in a very active and vibrant neighborhood. So we do have a lot of people just from the area, you know, who mm-hmm. who attend and people who live, you know, within our zip code area. But I also know that we have people who drive. Uh, I, I mean, I myself drive 30 minutes because I live in downtown St. Louis. So I drive 30 minutes to, to, to worship, to work every every day, every week. Uh, and other people drive even further than that, you know, some 45 minutes to an hour and a half to uh, to come to worship. So it's you know, it is one of those churches that, you know, it's a little bit of everything. I would love for us to, to, to be even more diverse, but we are on our way. A diverse congregation, maybe not so much in uh, socioeconomic ways, but we are uh, seeing some racial diversity. We are seeing some uh, some diversity as, as far as expression and and gender and all of those kinds of things. So uh, so we, we like to say that uh, uh, we are, are, again, opening and affirming. We, we have a welcome statement that we're very proud of. And so it, it, it is one of those churches that uh, we seek to draw in from uh, from all all walks of life. The age range is uh, is pretty dynamic as well, which we're excited about. Worshippers who have been with us, you know, 50 years. In fact, we just uh, celebrated a tenor who is who sang in our gospel quartet has just retired after singing in that quartet for 58 years, right. and, uh, yeah. and he's still he's still singing in our chancel choir. In fact, is a, is a great singer, a wonderful member of our church. And then we just this last week had uh, 25 new members in our new member class. So, uh, so it is one of those uh, one of those churches that uh, remains pretty active in drawing people from various uh, various places and uh, various walks of life. We like to think so. That sounds that sounds great. So as you plan worship, then do you think about all those different constituencies and all those different expressions and and how worship can both resonate but also stretch some of the folks from where they are? Do you sing yeah. in other languages, for example? Do you does your liturgy reflect a, a, a global kind of view? How how do sure. you bring those things in? Right. Uh, the, the global piece I try to be really careful about, you know, just because of, you know, the the um, the day and time that we live in and, and this whole big moniker of appropriation. So I really try to be mm-hmm. careful there. And uh, and so when when the, the thematic range of the worship service calls for those kinds of things, then absolutely, you know, we make sure that that's a part. But we also try to think about, you know, uh, a lot of us have been McFeed, uh, I like to say. So for those <laughs> people who who know Marsha McPhee and uh, having these these uh, moments in worship that catch you know people by surprise and mm-hmm. that that really draw people into a deeper you know so we, we try to have those moments as well and uh, we sing familiar hymns but also I've, I've fallen in love recently with the upper with the upper room worship book that has you know new words to uh, to tunes that you know that we love and so we try to have a good bit of that uh, we bring in hymns from not not I mean primarily of course, the United Methodist hymnal, but I oftentimes, in fact, as I am planning worship, I usually have at least three supplements and about five hymnals open <laughs> as I am picking, you know, music for worship. So various and and uh, and wonderful resources that we have available to us there. So so we really try to keep that in mind, as well as even some of our thematic things that that we do. Many people might, you know, this might be a cringe a cringe moment. So I you know I want to warn the audience, but but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, our our worship series right now is a focus on Star Wars. 
and uh, and how the how the, the the whole idea of death and resurrection and good versus evil plays out in Star Wars movies and how it how it connects to to our worship. And while it while it has been a stretch for me because I'm, I'm not really much of a Star Wars fan, we work really hard to make sure that that in our worship series we have the opportunity to to have some freshness and and some new things as a as a part of that series. That's awesome. I had an organist years ago that surprised us all by playing one of the Star Wars themes, not Darth Vader, thank goodness. Um, I think it was the theme from the wedding as a postlude. And of course, every all the Star Wars people were just like, what? We, we know that. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, John Williams, you know. Right. Yeah, that's right. Bring in John Williams as your guest artist that week. <laughs> right. Abs- absolutely. I, I, w- I, would love to, I would love to be a part of a church that has that kind of budget. That would be wonderful. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah no kidding. So, so thematically, you shared, because you have a single preacher who does all the services, thematically, there's a, a link between the different congregations, we could almost call them congregations because they worship on their own. Mm -hmm. But are there other things, uh, liturgical things that are repeated, certain prayers that you may say in all three, or songs that get repeated, or are they completely separate beyond that, that central theme? For our Saturday chapel service and then our Sunday morning traditional, those orders of worship are pretty similar with the same hymns and okay. much of the same music. For modern worship, much of that, you know, much of that music is is completely different and, and as I said, led by our modern worship, our modern worship band. However, you know, for instance, for our Disney, uh, for our Disney series, uh, we one of the focuses for that particular week was the movie Moana, and so we, you know, had we had one of the songs from Moana present in all of our worship services. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, those those things sort of cross over into other services, depending on what happens. We are a church that celebrates communion every first Sunday in our traditional and modern service, but then weekly in our chapel service because it's the size that it is and the ability to do that. So, for instance, we just had a communion yesterday. And so, you know, some of the prayers and some of, you know, the, the liturgy around communion will be the same in each of those services. So just depends on depends on each week. I had a question. You brought up Moana and certainly the three different services with different hymns and modern songs. How much time do you spend on copyrights, Kevin, on hunting down? <laughs> do you have multiple streaming licenses, multiple mechanical licenses? Because this is a question I get a lot. Right, right. And and we, you know, it, 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 and it's a constant, I think, for all of us. So the answer is all of the above. You know, we spend a lot of time researching that. We do have multiple licenses and, and uh, work hard to make sure that everything is covered there. Uh, we're also pretty particular about, you know, the things that we do include, you know, so, so we know if it's something that, you know, that should, that, that can't be included, then, you know, we make allowances for that. So, but it is a, it is a great deal of time that that's put into that. I'm also really lucky in that our, our worship planning ministry, we meet weekly. So uh, we have a, have a weekly planning meeting and this is, this includes components of all of those services. So it's the clergy and it's the music and it's the uh, worship folks that are involved 
and even sometimes, you know, education uh, pieces that, you know, become a part of that. Because, you know, a lot of times with our worship series, they'll be directly linked to our education. And, and there'll be, you know, classes and studies that link, to, you know, directly back to our, our worship series. So so it's it's very much a collaborative kind of, of work that we do. And we meet each week, we evaluate the previous week, and then we talk about the upcoming week. So, so it's a great team to work with. That's great. And, you know, I think, I think that's the, the best way to work. And, and there's a trust level that builds up over time, right? Where Absolutely. you can be, be mm-hmm. upfront when you're evaluating, say that really didn't go well. And how can we do mm-hmm. that better? And I think evaluation is so important as, as part of the planning process. Sure, sure. And and what we learn from that, you know, I think I think we've we've all come to the understanding that, you know, when we evaluate, it's not to to criticize what has happened, but it's, you know, what can what can we learn from this? What mm-hmm. what worked well that we want to, you know, make sure we continue to do or what hasn't worked so well. And we've been lucky. We actually have have been doing online worship. I would imagine maybe 8 years now. So we were well into online worship before COVID, so uh, so we were pretty lucky in in being able to just move right into you know pandemic uh, pandemic understanding you know when when it all happened. So that was a that was a wonderful opportunity for us. Wow, well we could go in so many directions right now and and keep you on for another couple of hours, but maybe what <laughs> what we need to do is is ask you back so we yes. can unpack some more things and you know going back to the very beginning about people are coming back but they're not coming back like we were hoping sure and what do we do about that that's a I'm sure our listeners would want to hear a conversation around that. And I I want to thank you so much for giving us some time today, Kevin, to talk about these services that you have at Manchester and how they came about and how it's reaching out to the community. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity and, and of course, uh, you know, connecting with discipleship ministries. It's, it's important for all of us. So any, anytime you need me, I'm, I'm happy to be there. Hallelujah. Thank you. (laughs) Well, and thank you all for joining us today. We hope that this has been helpful to you. Remember that you can find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. We want you to tell us what you think, so send us an email. Be in conversation with us. Until next time, we will be praying for and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.